0: Chris Scalza here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Round, Matt and I are going to discuss Fighting With My Family, the biographical film about the wrestler Paige and her introduction and conquering of the WWE. We're also going to talk about the latest iPhone 7 shot Steven Soderbergh film, High Flying Bird. And then in honor of our sport movie showcase, Matt and I are going to go ahead and Tell you what we think the five best performances in a sports movie is. And stuff. I'm also going to talk about what's coming up on Blu ray and DVD, and then we're going to have a moratorium on the Oscars, which may be the last Oscars I watch. We're going to have a therapy session live to take. Wow. It's a bold so, statement. Matt, you're going to have to help me out. But let's start everything off with a little bit of fun and adventure. Here's a clip from fighting with my family. So
1: what's for of people to enjoy? Wrestling? That's a good question. Um, I mean it's all fake anyway isn't it? So it is. Yeah. Just... again? It's not fake it's fixed. Yeah, if it was fake would I have broken half the parts of my body, deaf? His left leg bends both ways. Do you have you got another question or I can yes how did you get into wrestling? <laughs> It is quite a romantic story. We like romantic stories. Oh, right, we like this one. Mm. When I met Rick, I was uh, homeless, abused, living on the street, you know.
0: Yep. I myself had done uh, eight years in prison.
1: Prison? (laughs) What was that for? Mainly violence. Mainly violence, yeah. Bit of armed robbery, you know. Uh, Anyway, I came back to the flat one night and there was uh, guns, money on the table, everything. So there was guns and. money. Guns and money? Yeah. Right? done a job, haven't you? And I I looked at him. The look said, essentially, Ricky, turn your back on crime. Otherwise, I'm going to turn my back on you. And he did. That's what I did. Never look back. Mm. Some people find religion. But wrestling, we found wrestling, didn't we? It was our salvation. We found each other
0: and all. Yeah. Love. It's nice. It's nice. Matt, why don't you tell the fine folks at home or driving on the road, perhaps they're getting ready for their day, and always every particular episode is mastered for particular listening experience this one of course is while perfecting the four figure leg lock thing what was the thing <laughs> that you know what i'm talking about right the walking, right that yeah that <laughs> that thing so what is fighting with my family all about
1: sure um so it's about a a pair of uh, young kids um zach and soraya who are um big fans of the wrestling they come from a wrestling family they grew up wanting to be wrestlers and they get a shot um each to become um performers in the wwe and then um whereas uh is picked to continue and zach is left behind and it's really about the rest of her uh time coming up in the wwe as wrestler page sweet sweet
0: now I gotta tell you, I haven't really been all in on any of the WWE studio films, right? Mm-hmm. I think they've had what? There's been a couple things that I found interesting. Uh, Oculus, they were a part of. All right, there you go. I'll t- I'll take a little bit of that, and that uh, that may be it. <laughs> so, particularly now, we're also going to fold in a wrestling story right we're going to introduce the origin of one of their big stars page now i'm going all right well well but then i see who wrote and directed it so steve merchant steven merchant who you may know from the original uk office and frequent comedy partner of ricky gervais so having him have a hand in this kind of raised my expectations a bit but, Matt, where did you come down with fighting with my family? So, you have – it's it's a sports film, sort of. It's a biopic. It's a comedy. It's a family drama. Uh, what were your thoughts on the fightings with the family?
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I think they got some some ringers in the cast. I mean, obviously, you heard uh, Lena Headey and um, Nick Frost uh, in the the little stinger there that we had before. And The Rock shows up in this. And, you know, I, honestly, I was never really that into – wwf or even or wwe even back in its 80s glory with uh hulk Hogan and andre the giant and everybody else but so i had no idea who this was supposed to be like i knew it was supposed to be a wrestler um like the story of some wrestler but i had to go look it up um beforehand to even understand who this was because i looked at even looking at the real page I, i was like i don't know who this is um but at the end of the day, you know, I was, I was relatively into it. I mean, it's a charming little movie. It's not anything groundbreaking. Um, It's not in the pantheon of great sports movies. Um, Mm. But I think it's, um, I thought it was a competent little diversion that was, you know, had its charms and it had its laughs and it was, it was an entertaining afternoon.
0: I think that's fair. I, it's kind of unconventional in it's subject matter when it comes to sports films, I guess, but it's really for me too. I almost viewed the whole thing as a puff piece, as a promotional piece for the WWE more than anything else. You know, and maybe it's my ignorance of maybe Page has some outsized importance to the WWE I'm not aware of. Now, I grew up in the whole Hogan days as well, Rowdy Roddy Piper, you know, all that stuff. And I was a regular viewer. In fact, one of my childhood friends his father would announce for the WWF at the time, whenever they were kind of in the New England area. So he, a couple of my friends got to meet some of the big names at the time. I never went into any of the events, but still, I was kind of into it then. And I've since kind of gravitated away as, uh, it's just, isn't that something that continued to hold my interest? So... If she is this outsized presence and deserves her own film, I guess it's fine. It's certainly an interesting and entertaining enough biopic. I think it's mostly salvaged by a strong script by Stephen Merchant, how he's able to make these this, this, this film, these performances interesting and funny and endearing at the same time. Mm-hmm. I found their performances by Florence Pugh, um, strong and engaging. She plays the titular page. Uh, particularly, though, I think the thing that makes this thing roll whenever he's on camera, and I think you can say that about almost anything he does, is Nick Frost. I mean, he was easily, for me, heck, I even used him in the clip to open the show. Right. So... It's solid. And I think it it definitely handles the internal conflict that the family has, particularly with Paige and her brother, right? Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't make it, but she does. So there's kind of a conflict there. And I think it handles that particularly well. It, it does a good job of touching the heart, of tucking on the heartstrings there. And you do root for her. But in the end, I kind of found it fairly rote. I mean, the whole thing, let me know what you felt about this. And maybe this is a failure of the script or maybe more of the direction, but the whole thing felt fairly predetermined to me. Now, I know we know it all. We know where we're going to get to, right? We know what the end point is. But at no point did I feel in the unraveling of the film that that was ever in any real doubt. What did you think about that? Did you get that vibe at all?
1: Yeah, I guess. Um you know, I I guess I would chalk that up just because they're just trying to make kind of like a milk toast feel good movie. And they didn't really want any dramatic stakes other than, I think, and I think the dramatic stakes they wanted was more about not her, whether she was going to make it or not. It was kind of how she interacted with her family and how that kind of affected the rest of her life. Um,
0: so maybe it's just a different focus on what
1: Merchant was trying to do.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. I think maybe part of it is Vince Vaughn's, you know, anti Mr. Miyagi. I feel like he's kind of, he's pulling for her the whole time. And you definitely get that vibe from it. I don't know. Still, overall, I think it's, it's, it's well done and it's entertaining. It's, it has its uplifting moments, but again, you've seen this thing a dozen times and I don't know if introducing it as a wrestling angle is enough to bring it above some of the other genre fare that this would, you know, partner up with. So, right. In the end, I'm gonna give Fighting With My Family a B minus. Um, I think it's like I said, it's entertaining, it's fun, you'll enjoy it, but it's it is what it is. It's a B minus. Where do you where do you come down?
1: You know what? I'm gonna give it a B minus too. I was gonna go a B, but I think you talked me into a B minus. Let's just let's just pull the bandit off and let's just be the same for this particular film. Whew, finally. Woo!
0: If you've had a chance to see Fighting With My Family, would love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at com. Matt, coming up on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, which is March 5th, there is a it's fairly, fairly significant film. Uh, let's hear a clip from it. This mud stinks. They shit in the streets around here. Political commentary, they call it. Go through here. Clean yourself up. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Lady Marlborough. Well, I didn't know the new suit ended in here. It is I, Abigail. Dear cousin, I have a letter from our aunt, and I... I'm sorry I did not mean to present as a I fell out of a carriage.
0: So that, of course, is Emma Stone with Rachel Weiss and Academy Award winner Olivia Colman in the best picture of 2018. No matter what you may have heard, The Favourite being released in Blu-ray and DVD. Not 4K, Matt. No planned 4K release for The Favourite, which I find endlessly disappointing. It will include some deleted scenes and a making-of featurette focusing on uh, unstitching the costume drama. A larger film I'd probably imagine box office-wise, Creed Two is being released with four making-of featurettes and some deleted scenes. Entertaining but underwhelming sequel. I think that's a fair criticism. That's a fair
1: assessment, yeah.
0: A film we didn't get to catch up with that I'd hope, that, Matt, we can work in at some point soon is the Natalie Portman uh, held, helded, healed, led. She stars in it, Vox Lux, where she plays the pop star I guess who become disillusioned with her own fame. Uh, I've, been hope, I've been anxious to catch up with that, so now we can finally see that. Includes a music video of the song wrapped up. Another film that I did not get to see, unfortunately, because it wasn't really available around here. Burning is being released, which is supposed to be fantastic, starring Stephen Yoon. If you haven't, Matt, have you heard about Burning at all? I have not. So it's the the Syrian examination of an alienated young man, Soo, played by Ahin ah Yu. A frustrated introvert whose already difficult life is complicated by the appearance of two people into his orbit. First, Jaime, who is uh, played by newcomer Young sung a spirited woman who offers romantic possibilities, and Ben, this is Stephen Yoon, a wealthy and sophisticated young man who returns from a recent trip. When Young-Soon learns of Ben's mysterious hobby and me suddenly disappears, his confusion and obsessions begin to mount, culminating in a stunning finale. This is supposed to be fantastic, Matt. Okay. So we're definitely going to have to work this one into the queue as well. The feel-good family drama slash comedy Instant Family is being released. This is the Mark Wahlberg, Rose Byrne adoption movie. It includes right. uh, audio commentary by the director and writer Shannon Anders. Introduction by Anders, as well as writer John Morris, gag reel, the leader in extended scenes. It's supposed to be actually quite good, but that's coming out. Uh, ben is Back, a Julia Roberts film uh, about a drug addicted teenage boy who shows up unexpectedly at his family's home on Christmas Eve. It includes commentary by the writer director Peter Hedges. Gerard Butler returns in The Vanishing. This time, Matt, it promises to be a tense, action packed thriller based on true events. After three lighthouse keepers arrive for work on a remote Scottish Isle, They make a faithful choice, a wrecked rowboat with a chest full of gold. As a mysterious boat heads towards the island, the three men make a choice that will change their lives forever, ensuring them in a web of greed, paranoia, and murder. (laughs) New to Blu-ray, The Craft includes four brand new featurettes on the making of the film, focusing on some interviews, as well as some ported-over featurettes and an old audio commentary by the director. Did you hear about, they did some retrospective stuff on The Craft recently, because I guess it's an anniversary for the film. Oh, and really? They didn't invite Rachel True, and but they invited the other three white women who starred in the film. Oh, like, really? Okay. Which is kind that's of, weird. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's been, since been rectified, I hope. Mm. California, with a K, is being released as well. This is the film directed by Dominic Cena. Uh, I think Brad Pitt actually has a role in it. It includes the theatrical cut, which has not been available on Blu-ray previously. Arrow is releasing the Sister Street Fighter collection, Matt. All of the films are going to be included in this set. It was brand new high-definition 1080p transfers of all four films, as well as the original uncompressed Japanese mono audio and the English dub audio for Sister Street Fighter. And there's new English subtitles for all four films, new interviews, and a bunch of other stuff as well. So if you're a fan of the Sister Street Fighter films, you can pick up that set from Arrow. You're straight to DVD Pick of the Week, Matt. Are you sitting down? I can see you. Well, are. Me,
1: you can see me. You can see me. Of course, you know I'm sitting. Yeah,
0: up. but people, not everybody watches, Matt. They just listen. You could be standing. <laughs> you're,
1: you're right. I stand 99 percent of the time, folks. I stand for the show.
0: He's got a. He's got one of those treadmill desks. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Ant. When when the '80s one-hit wonder glam metal band Sonic Grave embark on a road trip to Coachella in hopes of a comeback. Their peyote trip pit stop and Joshua tree incites a grizzly attack, and they must rock themselves out of harm's way. And there's supposedly an ant or something. I don't know. (laughs) But that's it. That's dead ant. Much of we stream streaming this week. Um, I'm going
1: to go with an oldie, a real oldie. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, third man. Um, A a unemployed pulp novelist in World War II Vienna. learns that his friend Harry has died in an accident and compelled to investigate his death holly slowly uncover startling revelations about harry's life um it's available on netflix it's a it's a classic uh classic film
0: there's that one scene too what, in the ferris wheel with uh with orson wells that is a, i mean it's probably the most memorable thing in the film outside of the mm. chase through the tunnels but uh third man is one of the first classic films i ever saw and when i actually started seeking them out right Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oliver Reed and it is fantastic I do own the uh, Blu-ray from Criterion which I think is out of print at this point So, look at you I am fancy so let's take a couple of minutes Matt I don't want to belabor this but I need somebody to talk me down <laughs> a week later I hadn't really thought about it but it's one of those things where just kind of every now and then it comes back up and then I start thinking about it and I get upset all over again <laughs> So, a lot of horrible things happened this past Sunday. A lot of good things happened, right? Alfonso Cuaron won uh, Oscars for cinematography and direction. Mm-hmm. I think we had a default popular film win, maybe, with Green Book. Is that what it is? That's what I'm kind of trying to tell myself, maybe. Uh, okay. I don't know. Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury is not a good choice um it's not horrible choice but it's not good i liked how i don't think any of the i think it was just ali who thanked actual dr shirley i don't think anybody else associated green book actually thanked him or his family for the story okay which, which i found interesting olivia coleman though her acceptance speech was top shelf her reaction and her speech i absolutely adored but everything else i think was relatively horrible the fact that i mean roma winning foreign language film which i said in in at the time live was basically it's out it's not going mm-hmm. to this picture they took that as an out where they can reward it there and they don't have to look at it again richard grant not winning i'm sorry i thought it was just a more interesting and fascinating performance not, a, not that I only didn't do a great job. He's just, you know, underserved by a subpar film. And I think this is likely, Matt, the worst, best picture in at least 10 years. Do you have any thoughts? Can you talk me off of my edge here? I really, Matt, I don't know if I want to watch anymore. If this yeah. is what it is now, I... I don't see the point. I think maybe we tune into the spirit awards instead and call it a day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, I've been pushing not to watch the Oscars for a little while now. Um, You know, I don't watch award shows at all anymore. They're really not that interesting to me. Um, Like I'm not invested in any of the things enough to where I really care if they win or not. And Honestly, just the entire process is just really boring. I can get the same impact just reading about it the next day. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this one just kind of showed, you know, there was no host, which I didn't think was a bad decision. No, but it, it just shows, shows how not. it just it, sh- it shows how unnecessary the entire proceeding is. I mean, not it just basically went from it's went went everything to just bringing out introduction of introduction after introduction after introduction, and it just I don't know. It just wasn't that uh, wasn't that it wasn't that riveting, really.
0: Yeah, I now here's the thing: I haven't seen Chicago, but I outside, didn't see it either. Outside of that, this is the worst picture I've seen since yeah, since in, since two thousand. It's, it's got to be so. Yeah, Gladiator, A Beautiful Mind, Chicago, Return of the King, Million Dollar Baby, Crash.
1: Ooh. I was about to say, yeah. I thought this was the comparison to Crash. It is. You're right.
0: All right. So that and Crash, I think hold hands as they jump off the cliff. The Departed, No Country for Old Men, Slumdog, Hurt Locker, King's Speech, The Artist, Argo, Twelve Years a Slave, Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight, The Shape of Water, and then Green Book. Yeah. So maybe that's the Academy doesn't know how to address race. Maybe that's our problem. Because maybe. It's... Well, Twelve Years a Slave won though. And that was against American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena, and The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. That was the best film of that year. I just, I don't. And Tony Collette being snubbed to is just. Now, granted, I don't know who I pull out of that category is the problem to, to put her in. But I haven't seen Glenn Close in the life, so I can't say that. Right it's just yeah i don't know i just don't see the point i don't see the point anymore well
1: and here's the thing this is what's going to end up happening i mean this is what the oscars do they'll have kind of one milk toast um you know entry set of entries and then then we'll get a year you know a year or two from now where it'll have a bunch of really exciting things and we're all really passionate about you know what's going to win and there's a lot of great contenders and then it'll be exciting again because it's like it'll just be a really great year. I mean, some of those lists that you that you rattled off. I mean, honestly, oh maybe only a handful of them, maybe a few, two or three would actually be in my all-time rotation of, of would watch again kind of thing, unequivocally. And the rest I could forget, you know. So I don't know. We'll see.
0: Well, don't forget too, 2007 also gave us There Will Be Blood and Michael Clayton, which is eminently watchable. Do you know? Atonement, which is fantastic. 2007 was... A, that's probably the best year I, if I had to choose one since the aughts. That was probably the one to go with. Though it did have Spider-Man 3 and the first Transformers film. <laughs> I Am Legend. Wow, maybe not so much. National <laughs> Treasure. Here's the top 10. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, Order of the Phoenix, Spider-Man 3, Shrek the Third, Transformers, Ratatouille, I Am Legend, The Simpsons Movie, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, and 300. Those are your top ten films that year. That
1: is, uh, that is, that is a murderer's row of crap right there. That is garbage. Although it produced, it, that's two thousand seven was, uh, uh, no country for old men though, right? Yep.
0: And one the of old my blood. favorite
1: movies of all time. I will watch that movie a couple times a year. I love that movie so much.
0: No, I haven't watched that in a long time. I've probably watched there'll be blood at least once a year. I've since two thousand and seven. I guess when it came out, I have watched there will be blood. How many? That's what 12 years, 11 years. I've watched it six times easily. There you go. I haven't seen, I think I've only seen no country for old men twice since then. That's a
1: trap. That is a travesty.
0: I've been thinking about revisiting and I just picked it up on Blu-ray. Finally to upgrade. It was uh history of violence. Mm. I remember really liking that thing. Anyway, back to my point. Right now, we're not gonna we're not gonna watch the Oscars. We may still do our discussion about it. Right? Pick who should win, who will win. Yeah. But we'll just report back on the results. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. All I'm right. Lost. I'm done.
1: What this really boils down to is that Chris lost the, the contest for the first That's time.
0: Right.
1: Second time. <laughs> Second time. Dave beat me once. Oh, okay. Barely. Barely. I still. And you're just mad I got one wrong. Yeah, and you're mad at this one because I went with my heart that you also felt that you should have gone with, and that person ended up winning because you were a cynic. <laughs> there
0: picked. was that one I changed at the last minute because my heart yeah. won out, and I was stupid about it. <laughs> Whatever. Let's move on. Let's talk about something I think much more interesting for not just me, but for the listener. Listen is it though? Is it? Oh, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. shots fired. Let's hear a clip from High Flying Bird.
1: So what, now you're rushing me off? I'm no longer having a good time. Yeah, man, you both. He got your ass. Who? You an owl now? You. You just telling me this now. Jumping at me, Eric Scott, when you got got.
0: That man ain't meet you by happenstance at your homie's party six months ago. He meant to rock up to whoever's preseason swallery was going down and catch him a rookie. And he caught the big fish, yeah? Come on, man. Oh, the number one signer. He got your ass. Now, don't get me wrong. You helped. Smiling. What'd he say? Big fan. Saw all your games at LSU. Said he couldn't wait for you to sign to New York so he wouldn't have to travel to see you. Gave you a nerdy laugh, made you think he was a cornball? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is a clip from High Flying Bird, the latest one from Steven Soderbergh. Shot on an iPhone 7, released directly on Netflix, available now. Starring mm-hmm. Andre Holland, Zazie Beetz, Melvin Gregg, Sonia San. Zachary Quinto, Kyle McLaughlin, Bill Duke, just a, a real solid cast uh, running this thing out. And there's a, there's a lockout, Matt, in the NBA and mm-hmm. the agent to the stars. There, one of the, well, one of the better, maybe doesn't have all the big stars, but he's got the number one draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. He's got the young kid coming up as one of his clients and he's trying to figure out what to do to help his client make money. And then what can he do possibly to break the strike? So he set some plans in motion. He moves some chess pieces around. Uh, and what starts as a sports film that shows basically no basketball turns into a, I think, an exceptionally interesting high-stakes political thriller. And I absolutely enjoyed the hell out of this thing. For me, Matt, I, would, I almost want to see this as a stage play. It's very, very dialogue heavy, all right? Mm-hmm. It's a, but it's an exceptionally well-written script and performed just as well. You could really feel the, the dialogue is delivered, not kind of like in a staccato odd, um, what's his name there? Mammoth. Mammoth style, right? But mm-hmm. it kind of has almost that Mammoth kind of rapid fire kind of punch to the gut feel to it, or at least it did for me. And I really enjoyed this thing. <clears throat> and I'm thinking maybe you didn't. So well here's the sure. thing. This is
1: what is this is this is hilarious about the show, okay? We always make fun of that me and Chris have the same taste. And literally everything Chris just said is the exact same thing, same things I was gonna say about this movie. It seemed very stage-like, very, you know, theatrical in its production, very like uh, mm-hmm. had some mammoth-esque overtones. The problem was I was just not invested in this at all. Right. And that and, and I think that this this type of thing where it's just all dialogue there's really no action in this film of any kind whatsoever it's basically just them talking about events and you know everything is just kind of yeah it's everything the whole thing is just a series of conversations and if yeah. you're not invested in that if you're not invested in the outcome and you're not invested in with what they're doing it just becomes a slog i was just oh incredibly bored by this Matt
0: this is a thinking person sports film because the action is in the dialogue right it's in their performances it's a political film it deals with double crosses racism greed and it's steeped in basketball lore I sent you a, and we'll put it in the notes in the show there is a great article in the New York, from the New York Times that kind of sp- teases out all the different references that this film has now I am ignorant when it comes to basketball I mm-hmm. barely know football I'm a baseball guy but still I found this thing riveting and it and it 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 uh, it crushes me Matt that you did not enjoy this as much as I did. I mean crush is a strong word Chris. I, know, I mean, but it's, <laughs> I'm being hyperbolic for effect. It's a much more interesting. All right, how about this Matt? I'm generally slightly underwhelmed by the fact that you did. Is that interesting to hear? No. Yes, yes it is.
1: That's basically what this movie is in a nutshell. There's no big big uh, dramatic stakes there's no there's no really even any emotion to it everything felt very flat to me and all of the things you know and it's it's just so interesting to me that you said it had a mammoth-esque tone and you you use that as a positive but all of the mammoth things that people say is a negative is what applied to me for this it was very cold like it didn't seem like it it was it was lifeless it was just lifeless it was like they were reading they had memorized their cue cards and their lines and they were just reading
0: them off pitter patter you know
1: the way they thought that should be shot off but it had no emotion behind it at all i
0: i just don't agree i it almost it reminded me at times of oceans 11 in the way that the characters kind of interact and dance around each other and how the just the 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 charm that they all seem to have when they're having their discussions and just, just how do I describe it? Now I'm not it's not like saccharine drop me in a vat of chocolate sweet kind of charm <laughs> like Clooney and Pitt, that the the interplay the two of them have in that film. I wish I could bottle that and bathe in it. But it's still it's still really kind of fascinating when when particularly Andre Holland's Ray Burke interacts with everybody because he is the focus and star of this film and how he he orbits all of this stuff and how he handles it all and the the pl- things he sets in motion I just found the whole thing fascinating and interesting and I that's so funny because I I was riveted by this thing and you had no investment whatsoever yeah and that's the and that's what I think is interesting
1: most about this discussion is we all recognize the things that are good about the film or the technical aspects of the film. It's just that if you're not invested, it's just going to leave you emotionally cold. Like just like me, I just, I was like, I was just kind of like waiting for this thing to be over. And, you know, as much as I was impressed with watching a lot of uh, the technical thing with the iPhone, um, there were a couple scenes where I was like, mmm you know, that could have really benefited if you were kind of using something other than a phone to film this kind of thing. Like there was a scene where he's talking to Zachary Quinto's, like, you know, the manager, higher up character in his office.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're sitting in front of a window Mm -hmm. and Zachary Quinto is so washed out from the light from the window. You can't even see him. Like, it's like, he's completely in shadow. And I don't think that was like an artistic choice. I was just think that's a limitation of what they were using. But, I don't
0: think I noticed that. I don't know if maybe you have your color settings too high. You get your thing on vivid or something, or you want are you oversaturating no, your? I don't think
1: so. No, it was he was very hard to he was very hard to see. And then they went to the other side of him, and he's of course a wash and natural light kind of thing.
0: So. so I have a question for you now that seems pointless because you didn't have the same. They didn't have the, the film didn't have the same impact on you as it did me. The Mm -hmm. question I had initially for you is the intimacy of the direction owed more to the dialogue and performances or the use. And maybe you would say limitations of the iPhone as your camera. Um, I would say it's the latter personally. Um, I didn't think
1: uh, I wasn't really invested in these people. So I would, I would argue to say that the intimacy of the performances uh, wasn't really (laughs) something that was reeling me in.
0: All right. That it, that's too bad. That's too bad. I really enjoyed this thing. I'm going to give it a B plus. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm assuming you're going to be in the C range. Or are you going to say end up B? Well, that we have a vast difference in our opinions, but our grades <laughs> are similar, which has happened before.
1: Yeah. No. Um, I'm going to give it a C. Okay.
0: B plus and a C. That's fun- about as wide as it gets, folks. That's true for as us. As as- <laughs> That's very true. High Flying Bird is currently available for streaming on Netflix now. If you've got a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback. That's F-E-E-Ds and David B's and boy A-C K at the firstrun.com. I'm trying to be as hip as possible. I think that's what the kids say nowadays. Matt, let's go ahead and keep the train rolling. And we'll talk about our five favorite performances in a sports film. I'm going to ruin it for you right now, Matt. I'm going to tell you right now, this is my honorary Jake LaMotta list because I don't know if there's another answer. So that's what I made it. So anyway, let's hear a clip, Matt, from a movie that didn't quite make the cut for dear old Chris. Hey, Engelberg. What? There's chocolate all over this ball.
1: Look, Mr. Buttermaker, quit bugging me about my food. People are always bugging me
0: about it. My shrink says that's why I'm so fat. So you're not doing me, you got So let us, quit it.
1: Okay, okay, okay. All right, look alive, let's get one. Are you ready? Let's get one out there. Engelberg. What?
0: That is a bunt, B-U-N-T. The catcher is supposed to pick up the bunt and throw it to first base.
1: Well, how is I supposed to know? You make sure the big deal yelling after them.
0: Diversionary tactic, Engelberg. Now get the ball. Why are you always picking on me? What did I do to you? Engelberg, crank your crummy belly and throw the ball to first base. That, of course, is a clip from the Bad News Bears. Mm-hmm. My <laughs> my old softball team, when I used to run it back in Connecticut, used to call me Buttermaker. I think it's one of the cleaner nicknames that they have <laughs> for me. <laughs> chico's bail bonds still shows up every now and then in my softball discussions when i'm yelling at my team now here in uh, tampa as well still walter Matthau in that film pure comic genius <laughs> that film does still hold up to this day so if you haven't seen it you should definitely check it out i watched it i think a couple years ago yeah i wouldn't I've bother with any of the sequels but that one is rock solid
1: i've not seen it in forever
0: Matt, I've deferred to you for the number one for a long time. So I'm gonna have you go first this week. Okay. But again, I've probably already stolen some of your thunder, as this is my honorary Robert De Niro Jake Lamada list. But
1: Yeah, yeah, you might have, but we'll we'll get to that. We'll find suspense, folks. Did did Chris steal my thunder?
0: There you
1: go. All right, so I think Chris is gonna hate my list, but I don't care. This is my list and I get to do what I want because this is America, damn it. Um so my number five pick is um, the greatest Russian in film history, <laughs> Ivan Trago in Rocky Four. Now, I kind of went back and forth between Ivan and Mr. T, but I don't know. Huh. You know, um, I, I, think, I think, you know, Dolph really embodies everything that's great about the Rocky film, and really about the 80s in general, just America versus the Ruskies, you know, if he dies, he dies. I must break you. All of that stuff. It's fantastic. I freaking love Ivan Drago from Rocky Four.
0: Yeah, that is that's, that's not a good pick, and I'll, let me explain to you why. Okay, you tell me. Like that I said, is, you're gonna hate this list. That it's is gonna not you. a. Yeah, that is not a good performance. <laughs> he actually delivers a better performance in Creed Two than he does in that film. Because in Rocky Four, he's a character, right? He's just a. He's a mindless kind of just tool of the Soviet Union. It, it, there's nothing really. It's just not good. That's why it's great. That's why it's great, Chris. I guess so. Fine. My number five is the heart and soul, at least for me, or at least maybe the, the guiding force. Or as it's now um, negatively viewed as the magic Negro. But that's going to be James Earl Jones as Terrence Mann in *The Field of Dreams*. Mm. A fantastic baseball film, and like all baseball movies, maybe sports movies in general, they're not about sports. Mm. You know, there's always they're always more the venue for something else. And Terrence Mann, he's the countercultural writer who get, writer, I should say, who gets, for lack of a better term, kidnapped by Kevin Costner's Ray Kinsella because he he's hearing a voice telling him to to build it and they and then he will come so but his performance there as the doubting skeptic and then true turned to true, true believer and then once his character completes its arc I don't know it's just it's just for me it's just vintage top form James Earl Jones that bellowing voice and his his screw it all type of perform I don't know I just—it's one of my all-time favorites, so I had to give it some honor. So it's my number five.
1: Very good. Um, so my number four is um, one of the better movies about bowling that's ever been made. And I'm not talking about The Big Lebowski because that's bowling is is incidental to that film. I'm talking about Kingpin, and I'm talking about Ernie Bigger McCracken, by played by Bill Murray, who gives a completely wonderful unhinged bowling performance. Um, that is one for the ages, and it, it it's pretty it's pretty far up there. It's not Caddyshack level of uh, Bill Murray sports performances, but it's
0: definitely second place, easy. I have never seen Kingpin from start to finish. Uh, there was just something about it that spoke to me, as in dear God, do not watch this. <laughs> so I've never seen it. Okay, do I need to rectify that, man? Um, no, you are probably still not going to like it because I believe it's
1: a Farrelly Brothers movie, but. Watching but you but watching it to see Bill Murray is it would be is worth it. He's he's funny in this.
0: I I enjoyed there's something about Mary back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's it. Dumb and Dumber, I'm not a I'm not on the Dumb and Dumber train. I don't think it's because I was never a big Jim Carrey fan. It's fine, it's got some funny moments. Uh Shao Hal wasn't good. Me, myself, and Irene not terribly good. I never saw Stuck On You. Hall Pass is atrocious. <laughs> um, well it's better than any of those yeah no not cool man not cool all right my number four and spiritually in my heart this would be in my number one
1: mm.
0: but if i look at it as an analytical level it's four and that's robert redford as roy hobbs in the natural the mm-hmm. natural is my all-time favorite sports film and just i don't know if it's randy newman's score which is gd iconic it's one of those things as soon as you hear it you know what it is um i'm talking like imperial march no right that's how 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 well known this thing is and it's he plays the aging ball player who decides to give it a shot even though he may be past his prime but he still got it and it just has so many moments, right? When he when he hits the ball into the lights and they shatter and the bulbs all blow and stuff. And uh I don't know. It just it's it's it somehow has this dreamlike state to it and is able to capture and instill in the viewer a sense of kind of youth in that anything is possible. And Redford is just, you know, doing his Redford y best throughout this whole thing. So the Naturals are my number four, or I should say Roy Hobbs.
1: There you go. So I just want to take a, a moment here. And the reason the list, the kind of list I picked, because I knew, I knew that Chris was going to pick the natural. I knew that, you know, Field of Dream was going to be on there. I'm sure Bull Durham is going to show up in here somewhere, maybe, maybe an audible mention. But what's the theme here? Chris likes baseball, and therefore we're getting a bunch of baseball films. But like, where's Pride of the Yankees? Is that going to show up in here somewhere? Uh, anyway, the Gary no. We've got three more slots, Matt. One more baseball reference. So One more that? baseball reference. All right. But this is the last of my uh ones that I just kind of wanted to throw in there. And I'm not saying that Chris's picks aren't aren't fantastic picks. They, they are. are fantastic picks. Um, uh, but my number three is um obviously when Chris said this, this was the first thing that popped into my mind. Of course, it's Will Farrell as Ricky Bobby and Talladega Knights. Um I really thought about putting in cal noughton as the uh as the as the other choice but i decided to go with the man himself you know that dinner scene with baby jesus and the bounty of kentucky fried chicken is endlessly quotable
0: and um he's got a point i think my jesus is the little christmas baby jesus okay i haven't seen that in a while i i should check it out again that is i'm man that thing made me laugh like crazy (laughs) shake and bake i use this day for softball games too do you? But uh oh yeah. But I used to have a player who smoked a lot of pot, so that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> he obviously was baked. Yeah. Uh, but still, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. I gotta watch that again. I think I have the unrated version. And also who's great in that too? What's his name there? Um the Borat guy. I'm so tired. I can't oh, remember. Oh, Sasha Barracon. Yeah, as the French Yeah, as the French, French Formula One driver, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but John C. Riley is I think I'm uh, not, not his the two of them together, though we haven't seen Holmes and Watson, which is supposed to oh. be just atrocious. <laughs> yeah. But the two of them together, there's just something about they always seem to be able to catch lightning in a bottle. And I they think do. for a couple films they certainly did. So
1: Well, and here's to say, I'm not I'm not confident about Holmes and Watson, but Step Brothers, which I have a real appreciation for, was in the thirties, I think, for Rotten Tomatoes, so who knows? Maybe yeah. it's great. Who knows?
0: We'll see. It. Mm-hmm. So, my number three is Mr. Michelle Brad Pitt as uh, Billy Bean. Mm-hmm. This is your last baseball one, Matt. Okay. And Moneyball. A book I actually read. I don't do a lot of reading anymore, but I did read this one. And now, the film is much different than the book because the book is a little more analytical and telling the story of the Oakland A's. This yeah. one has more of a kind of theatrical narrative. So, uh, but still, and of course, you have the late lamented uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the manager, Art Howe, but Brad Pitt plays Billy Beam, the ball player who was a can't miss prospect who missed, who ended up going all in on the analytic side of baseball. Never won. They never won. But they've come close and they've done really well with very little, uh, quite a few times. So uh, his performance, so he really seems to channel and capture Billy Bean, his compassion and his love for the game, and his uh, willingness to kind of maybe try something different. You know, when he trades the uh, the um, Jeremy Giambi, that whole thing, I mean, that that is a fantastic scene. The confrontation mm-hmm. with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's Art Howe. And I think they smartly introduced to, you know, the family dynamic with him and his daughter and i don't know i just think it's a really strong performance by brad pitt and one of his best so money balls my three billy bean all right so my number two maybe it's your number two i don't know we'll see uh
1: my number two is um randy the ram robinson um yep. played by mickey rourke in the wrestler um it's, it's just a fantastic film um just the story of uh you know uh minor like a minor league i guess you could call it you know kind of basement style wrestler um he's kind of still trying to reach his dreams and his past glories and he's just never going to quite get there and he's just kind of this broken kind of sad man um who still somehow kind of holds on to his dream and marissa tomei is the dancer slash you know confidant friend is fantastic as well i mean the the movie is gorgeous i i really love the wrestler it's a it's a sad melancholy little piece but it's 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 a it's fantastic.
0: No, I agree entirely. It's my number two as well. It's it's one of those things where every now and then you're able to catch the perfect actor in the perfect role. And this is it for Mickey Rourke. I mean, this thing, uh, it may even have been written for him for all I know, but he is fantastic in this thing. Unfortunately, he didn't seem to really parlay it into anything else except what a couple of expendable films and Iron Man two. That's true. That's very true. But uh, his performance in this is, I don't want to use the term relevatory uh, because he had a good arc for quite a while but then kind of ran into some personal troubles. But he is just fascinating in this film. So, uh, yeah, it's my number two as well, Randy the Ram. You know, It's it's like every now and then you're able to tune in on an actor's particular talents. I think of like Kirsten Stewart in Personal Shopper, right? Mm -hmm. If you can get the right people together and you know how to work them, then you can come up with something, even maybe for a fleeting moment, that's absolutely just, is magic. And that's Rourke in that film. Hmm. So, guess number one.
1: Do you want to talk about number
0: one? Go ahead.
1: (laughs) All right. So, obviously, number one is Jake LaMotta, Robert De Niro, and Raging Bull. Just a fantastic performance from beginning to end. It's a gorgeous film. It's one of uh, Scorsese's best. There's not a lot to say about it because I feel like we've been talking, we've mentioned it probably four or five times a year you know for the past 10 years while i've been doing this show so uh, i don't know what else to say it it's fantastic If you haven't seen it then stop what you're
0: doing right now and go listen to it or watch it listen to it watch it yeah it is an all-time classic and clearly should have won best picture of the year it came out uh it is it's a career defining performance by a man who's had probably what a dozen career defining performances but still it is it's heartbreaking, it's endearing, it's sad, it's, it'll break your heart, and it's incredible. So you, that's why it's my honorary title, because there wouldn't be any other one, number one. Right. So um, my number one, then, is a role that initially, the first time out of the gate, Matt, is filled with vulnerability and an intimacy about a homeboy, a home guy who, who does good. Uh, maybe maybe he doesn't win, Matt. Maybe that happens in a sequel. But the first time out of the gate, there is an intimacy and a vulnerability in that performance that you just don't see later on. Of course, that's Stallone as Rocky Balboa in the first Rocky film. Mm-hmm. That film, that uh, one, Best Picture, is it is still to this day fantastic. And there's an earthiness and an everyman quality. That he instills in Balboa that, you know, he becomes a superhero, right, later on. But that first time, it is something remarkable. So that's why I ended up being my number one. Is Stallone in Rocky, the first one. Mm -hmm. And that didn't make your list. I found that interesting.
1: Yeah, I was never a huge fan of Rocky. Like, I mean... I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because I was younger, but I kind of missed out on the first one. And just by the time I was kind of aware of what Rocky was, it had already kind of descended into that kind of sequelitis uh,
0: punchline of the 80s kind of thing. I Cartoon mean, versions yeah. with uh, Thunderlips, Hulk Hogan. and uh, Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, it, it, it
1: just kind of become this kind of mockery of itself. So it was not something I really ever kind of sought out. Now, what I finally did end up seeing it, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I just, you know. I really wanted to get my kind of annoying part of the list in there too. So (laughs) I had to, I had to do it. I'm sorry.
0: And the honorable mentions.
1: Yeah. Um, I had a, quite a few actually, um, Christian Bale in the fighter, um, Tim Robbins in bull Durham. I thought Margot Robbie was very good. in I, Tanya special shout out to, I forget his name, but the guy who played the bodyguard best, uh, bit part in a film in the last probably two or three years. He was fantastic. And then just because I wanted to throw him out there, guys, if you haven't done it, go see go see a oh, nice one-two punch for yourself. Watch uh, Over the Top and then No Holds Barred. Bam, bam. One-two punch sports films. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs>
0: wow. Meet me halfway across. The sky. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Gina Davis as Dottie Hinson in A League of Their Own. Mm. Uh, Kevin Costner for me as Crash Davis in Bull Durham. And then, well, you heard Mathau. And then, of course, Itani is a great pick as well. Will Ferrell. I didn't even think Italian good nights, so good for you. Mm. So that's basically all I really came up with, though. So good times. Good times. Who do we miss? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. What's your favorite performance in a sports-related film? I just watched uh, Eight Men Out the other day, too, which I loved as a kid. And it's still pretty solid. Um, the script had some issues where it seemed kind of overly. I don't know. Uh, I feel like hacky's just too lazy a term. But still, um, it still holds up. So if you haven't seen Eight Men Out in a while, that's a movie about the uh, Chicago Black Sox when they threw the World Series. But not enough, not a good enough performance than that to make the list. I wanted to make sure I watched it before we recorded the show because I remember really liking it, and I was like, oh, I wonder if something in here would. Uh, make the cut but uh not quite no 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 nope nope so next week matt we're going to talk about greta which is what happened which is why you don't help uh elderly people it's really a manual Mm -hmm. and i just actually saw that tonight so uh that'll be a fun conversation and we're (laughs) going to talk about we're going to talk about uh uh leave no trace correct right yes correct The Ben Foster film that, again, shamelessly ignored by the Academy this uh, past season. So, Matt, I've already seen it. Matt, have you watched it yet or no?
1: I have not watched it yet. Okay.
0: So, well, we'll see if Matt ends up agreeing with me. And uh, that's going to be the big show for this week, Matt. Coming up, ooh, Captain Marvel. Big time. Summer's already starting, and And we haven't even sprung forward yet. Yep, and then what? Is this Shazam's... Is that the week after Shazam? I know it's April. Oh, wait, that's in April. We're still in March. Chris, calm down, would you? Don't get ahead <laughs> of yourself. Captain Marvel. We'll be checking that out, obviously. All right, so that's going to be the big show for this week. Check us out in all the places. You can listen to the show, um, not currently on iTunes, because the old ones, but for some reason, new ones they ain't posting. We're looking into it. We are available, though. The new shows are on TuneIn and Stitcher. We just released a cobbled-together discussion of alita battle angel matt's favorite film of the past 20 years and uh, you, you have to listen to that for the details i may be it. i may be exaggerating a bit yeah uh, not much but a little bit and also what else will we discuss happy death day to you which is currently both films and theaters i'd say go see them both i think uh you join the theaters i would yeah. say see Alita on the biggest screen possible and the loudest and also our live stream, the audio has been posted as a special episode of the first run focus. So you can listen to that or just watch the whole thing on YouTube. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just do a search for the first run, scroll, 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 Eventually you will find us. Also go on the Apple podcasts and give us a rating while I fixed the feed. That's how other people will find the show. Matt, let's go ahead then and take an extended break and uh, we will see you all soon.